Good morning or afternoon. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Wilson McSwain. I, uh, <laughs> woo. Uh, I work with the junior high at Northview, so sorry, now I'm all, what's up? <laughs> um, anyways, we're in a series called Favorite Jesus Stories, and so I'm going to share my favorite Jesus story with you. Pretty original. So, but before we get into that, I would like to, obviously not this side, but kind of get you guys uh, interacting a little bit, because that's what I like to do in the junior high. And so we do this thing every morning, and well, not every morning, but every Sunday, we hold our Bibles above our head and we do the sword drill. And so, yes, last service at junior high, I was like, no, not again, we're so good at this. Um, so, I asked for full crowd participation. Last, I have three verses. Last service, the adults won two out of the three challenges. So it's kind of a challenge to you high schoolers. Do you think you can beat the junior highers? But what you do, if you don't know, you hold the Bible above your head like this with the pages up or your iPad or your iPhone or Blackberry, Dingleberry, whatever you got. Hold it up and uh, I will tell you a verse. And when I say go, you will and you will try to find it. And then you will stand up. Here's the scary part. You will stand up and you will read it for everybody. Some of you guys are going to be like, yep, can't find it. <laughs> anyway, so here we go. Bible's up and don't cheat because some of you are cheaters. So the first verse is first Thessalonians. I saw it go down. Five. Ah, no, yeah, as I go. 18, go. First Thessalonians 5:18. Pages are burning. Tablets are turning. Oh, right here. Yeah. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks always. Okay, second verse. Bible's up. Some of you guys are just way overamped, and I love it. <laughs> Psalm 107. Oh, it's tiny. Jesus, so 107, one. Go. That should be an easy one. It's like right in the center of your Bible. Keep going. Yes. That's my mom. Everybody. Yeah, she just turned 50 on Friday. What? She's like stoked about it, halfway to 100. <laughs> I turned 23 on Friday, halfway to 46, so... Um, okay, final verse. High schoolers, I'm not too impressed with you guys right now. So let's take up a notch. Okay, Psalm... Oh no, tricked you. Philippians 4, 6, Go. Come on. Wait, wait. Yeah, you, I mean, she gets a gold medal. No, I did not tell her the verses before service. Um, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
How hard of a statement is that? To not worry or be anxious about anything. As a Christian, or if you've gone to church for a long time, you've probably heard that verse, and you've probably heard people say, it's really easy. Just don't be anxious and let God take care of it. And you're like, oh, idiot, it's not that easy. It's really hard to do. It is such an easy thing said, but such a hard thing to be done. Anyways, thank you guys for playing along with me. Usually I do like a... First Simon 110 or something like that. And the kids are like, that's not a verse. <laughs> that's not a... So, sorry, no cheating. Hey, let me pray. And then we're going to get into some more stories. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this place. Thank you that we have the opportunity to come together and worship you. Um, talk about you freely. Talk about your name. Talk about you, Jesus. Because especially right now in this world, there's not a lot of places you can do that. There's not a lot of places where you can openly confess that you we believe in you so today may we not take that for granted may we not just be ourselves may we be all in for you jesus may we be focused on the fact that you lived a perfect life for us you died on the cross for us and you rose again all so that we may have life jesus we love you answer your name we pray all people said okay uh (laughs) love it um for those of you who are ADD, you will follow along with me very well. And for those of you who are not ADD, uh, ask your ADD neighbor. Yeah, I'm getting some like love signs. What's up, ADD? Um, I've never been like actually diagnosed, but what are we talking about? Okay, <laughs> I, I had a sto- I was gonna. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus turns water into wine, and I was like, that's the one I'm gonna pick. And my sermon title will be "Life's a Party with Jesus." And then. The more I kind of looked at it, I was like, mm, I should probably pick another verse. And so we're going to be looking at the two guys who are on the road to Emmaus. Um, and we're going to be looking at their perspective. And as I was thinking about this, uh, how cool would it have been to be able to be present for some of the things in the Bible? For some of the stuff, you're like, I am so glad I was not there you know, especially like when they talk about all the plagues that happened, you're like, that I definitely knew not want to be there in the plagues. But stuff like Peter jumping out of the boat, I would have loved to be in a boat, you know, kind of far away with like some binoculars and be like, dude, he's getting out of the boat. He's standing on the... Oh, he's sinking. He's going down. <laughs> or like when God splits the sea for Moses, how cool would it have been? In the picture Bibles, we look, read the picture Bibles and they're like walking through and it's the huge walls, and there's like a whale, you know? And they're like reaching into the water and like petting the sharks or something. That would have been so cool to be there for. Uh, my last one, I was like, Jesus feeds the 5,000. I think that would be super cool to just, I've always wanted to go and food be there. <laughs> and I still try, and I'm like, nothing. <laughs> so it would have been really sweet to see that because Jesus was like, food. Um, but this one, this story, I think would have been really, really cool to be there, to see these two guys on the road process what is going on, to process the fact that they're walking alongside Jesus, yet they have no idea it's Jesus, which kind of shows you Jesus' sense of humor. And so for a lot of you guys, are like, Jesus was serious at all times. By the end of this, I hope that you can see that Jesus had somewhat of a sense of humor. So open up to Luke 24 starting in verse 13, and if you're not there yet, you can flip there real quick, or whatever, iPad or whatever. So, verse 13. That very day, 
two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that happened. So stop right there. First of all, if we put ourselves there with them, maybe walking behind them or riding on a donkey next to them. I was just at the fair, and some people, like, there's a lot of horses at the fair. This is totally so random. And you guys love, so there's some people here, especially in our church, love horses. And I'll go into the barn, and I'm like, I could have a hard time imagining you dedicating your life to this animal that could just, like, stomp you out in, like, half a second. So props to you, horse lovers. Anyways, you're on a horse, you're there with them, and all you get to do is hear their conversations and see what's going on. They're walking seven miles. That's, like, the first thing that stuck out to me is back, they didn't just, you know, hop in their horse that had a motor and just, like, crank it in second gear and drive on down the road. If they wanted to go somewhere, they had to walk. And it wasn't just, like, they didn't have Walmarts on every corner back then or stores. If you wanted to go someplace, it was like, are you sure you want to go there? Because it's, like, seven miles away. Yeah, let's go. And if you've ever walked somewhere with someone, I don't still to this day, like, ladies' walks, like, you guys do that and you talk the whole time. And I'm like, how do you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what are you, are you guys just, like, making stuff up? I've always wanted to know. Anyways, they're walking for seven miles, and you can't just shoot the breeze on a seven-mile walk. You can't just be like, so how was your day? Good? Okay. You got six and a half more miles to go. It's like, <laughs> you're going to have to have some pretty serious conversation So what a cool time for Jesus to come into these guys' lives. Verse 15. While they were walking and talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So these guys are walking on the road, just trotting along. I don't know really what they're talking about. And Jesus just walks up on them, because they probably were obviously walking slow. Jesus walks up on them. And right here is where a lot of people, a lot of Biblical scholars and theologians focus in on this verse, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And there's this big thing out that says Jesus, in some of your versions it may say God kept them from seeing him. Uh, So there's big theological debate about what Jesus did there. Did he shut their eyes, like just blind them so he couldn't see who Jesus was? But this is where I would, in my simple, how I think, I would challenge you guys that these men, they hadn't been with Jesus for three days because he was dead in their minds. He was in the tomb. And the last time they saw Jesus, he was beaten, bloody, bruised, mutilated from the cross. They didn't, you wouldn't recognize Jesus because his face would have been disfigured, swollen, and different colors. And so their last picture of Jesus, I know they cleaned him up before the tomb, but there's no way you can really put together the wounds that he took on in that time. Their last picture of Jesus, he was unrecognizable. So in their minds, when they think about Jesus, they're thinking about that last picture of him that they saw. So for some of those guys, the last time they may have saw Jesus was on the cross. For some of them, they were there when Jesus was put in the tomb. And even more so, they knew, they saw, okay, Jesus is dead. He's very dead. And he's in the tomb with this huge rock over it. So I would challenge you that when Jesus walked up, I would say they just didn't recognize him because he was dead. In their minds, he was in the tomb. There was no way, like I bet when he walked up, they were like, hey, that guy looks like Jesus. <laughs> and then the other guy's like, you're an idiot. 
he's dead. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's dead. So I think we, we don't have to look too far into these things and just read. Man, to, in their minds, there's no way Jesus would be walking alongside them because he was dead. And imagine Jesus, as he's walking on the road, he's like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> they have no idea I'm alive. And he probably, like, I just imagine him, like, trying to hold back a smile, going, okay, okay, serious. Then he goes on to say, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? They stood still and looked sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus comes up, and I guarantee you he's laughing. Because, <laughs> A, he knows what they're talking about. B, he knows everything that happened because it was all about him. He comes up, he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they, it says they stop with a sad look on their face. And that word sad like, literally means depressed. This dejected, depressed look on their face. Like They stop and they kind of look, look over them. Like, are you an idiot? Some people are like, can I laugh if they're calling Jesus an idiot? Yeah, it's pretty funny. They're like, do you not know what's happening? Are you the only person on the planet in this area that does not know what has just happened? He probably turned away and was like, duh, I know what happened. And then, he said, and then it says, he said to them, what things? What has happened? You know, when your kid does something bad and you're like, what did you do? And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, why is there a hole in my window? They look at the hole and they're like, I don't see a hole. <laughs> my dad's looking at me because we hit golf balls through our, our kitchen bay window and put a hole in it. And he's like, how'd this hole get there? We're like holding a golf club and a golf. What hole? <laughs> That's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's like, he knows exactly what's going on. And they're like, do you not know? And he goes, what, thing? what are you talking about? So he goes on. And then they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and then they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since all these things have happened. So they say, man, we had these huge hopes for this Jesus guy. Because they're trying to inform, <laughs> they're trying to inform Jesus of what Jesus did. Um, so like it, he was this guy who was mighty in everything he did. Because they saw the miracles that he did and what he, you know, walking in water. They were there for all that. He was mighty indeed, and, and he was a great prophet. And then they were going to crucify him. They put him up for death, and then, then he died. All their hope was crushed. And in here it says they. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And they're directly and specifically talking about the Romans ruling over Israel. Rome had huge military power over everything. So their hope in Jesus was even wrongly placed. So these guys are way far off. Because like, wait, man, Jesus was going to go up and all of a sudden he was going to take rulership of everything. And then he was going to get rid of the Romans and rule, and it would be peace throughout all the land. But it didn't happen, and he's dead. 
in that talk, do you not think that they had gone through all of these scenarios that Jesus could have done? I mean, it's a long walk. Don't you think they had probably talked about, like, what if Jesus had been on the cross and then all of a sudden just ripped out the nails and floated off the cross and struck down all his enemies and then took in rulership over everything? What if Jesus, what if Jesus was in the tomb and he wasn't really dead? He was just kind of playing dead. And they're probably having this conversation together when Jesus walked up. Then they go on to say, Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen visions of angels. Who said that the angels said that he was alive? Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they didn't see. So these, these guys, like, the women were at the tomb, and he wasn't there, and they said they saw angels, but then we had friends go there, and he wasn't there. So, yeah, they probably saw angels. This hope that they had had in Jesus was just crushed. Because this hope that they put on Jesus didn't follow through. What they had wanted Jesus to do, what they had thought he was going to do, didn't happen. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. Man, imagine that. You guys come to church on Sunday and you hear, you know, Steve or Brooks or Zach or Shannon or I, get to share in part with you what we're reading in our Bibles. And, and uh, you know, I would challenge you guys to then go home and make sure that we're not lying to you. And we're not just like, there, you go home and you're like, wait, that wasn't even in the Bible. You know, we're not going to do that, but we're not perfect. Imagine Jesus explaining the scriptures to you. I mean, I, I, you can't imagine it. You can't imagine him giving you all the little details of actually what's going on. And from Moses through all the prophets, that's a lot of information. That's not just a ABC, you know, you and me kind of thing. That's like a ton of information. Let it sink in. Okay, so verse 28. So they draw near to a village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. Right there it says Jesus was playing a joke on these guys. Because they're sto- they stop. These guys are going to the village, and Jesus is like, "All right, see ya. I gotta go." <laughs> no, okay. Uh-huh. Because they were going, and he had just been spending all his time explaining scriptures to them, and Jesus wanted them to want to know more. But they urged him strongly, saying, "Stay with us." And Jesus is like, oh, "Okay, I'll stay if I have to." <laughs> you know. So he stays with them, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is where that big theology thing comes into play where all of a sudden God lifts their, the haze from their eyes and he can see. But I'll also challenge you, they had been with Jesus. They had been with him many times to see him break bread. This was a common thing that they knew Jesus to do because the head of the household, 
which is weird because he was a guest in the household, but then he took the head spot because I'm sure they had just been on the road with him being like, man, this guy's the smartest guy we've ever known. Okay, you know what? You're the head of this house. It's like, whoa, sweet. <laughs> okay, so they're sitting on the ground. Jesus breaks bread, and they all of a sudden realize, wait, that is Jesus. And I'm kind of picturing them going in this shock mode of like, oh my goodness, we are such idiots. Did we really say those things to him? Because they straight out call him like, I mean, he, Jesus is like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you're dumb. You don't know what's going on? You, sir, are the biggest idiot on this planet. And that, they're talking to Jesus. And so then when they realize it was Jesus, they're like, oh, do you think he heard me? <laughs> the other guy's like, yeah, he heard you. Well, he heard you too. Dang it. But then they look up and it says, he vanished, he vanished from their sight. And I think this would have been the best part to see because they're laying on the ground. They look up. Jesus is gone. They're like, wait. <laughs> kind of like feeling around because people didn't just disappear, right? Like that wasn't a common thing. I've tried to. I'm like, still here. This morning, I'm like, I got to preach in front of the adults. Still here. Can you, and they, they probably searched their house. They're like, okay. He's not under the table. He's like, not behind the lamp. They probably looked everywhere for him. And I thought that would have been hilarious to see. Then what do they do instantly after that? They go running to tell their friends. They go running to tell them what, this is what Jesus has done. He is alive. He explained everything to us. These guys all of a sudden went from like the dumb guys on the block to the guys who knew everything because Jesus had literally poured out all the information they needed to them. I want to go back. Verse 19. And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word, before God and all the people. So they're kind of, they're placing this picture for this guy who at that time, they didn't know Jesus knew about this. Our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. So they're saying, he was such a great guy. He was high, highest of the highs. And all of a sudden, they were going to put him to death. This high hope that he's going to redeem us. We had hoped that one day that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since these have happened. So these guys go from this huge hope in Jesus, this huge what if he does this, to he's dead. Nothing's going to happen now. Our hope is gone. All we can do now is think, what if he was the guy? When Jesus didn't come, and that's what he explains to them, he didn't come to free them from the Romans. He came to set them free from themselves. He came to set them free from their sin. He came to set them free from death. And so their hope that they had in Jesus was a small, it was a tiny hope. They had this hope that they would, he, he would set them free from the oppression of the Romans when, I mean, Jesus could do that at a snap of his fingers. On the road, now that we know what they've been talking about, you can only imagine that when they were talking, they were saying all these things, because it says they're sad, depressed. What, you know, what if Jesus had been who he said he was? What if Jesus had done what he said he was going to do? What if Jesus was alive right now? They're asking themselves these questions over and over and over again. Putting these 
what-if statements on God. And I'll say to you guys, what statements do you put on God? What what what-ifs do you throw on him when really, the whole time, he's already done everything he needs to do for you? He has already been there for all the times that you needed him. But in that one time where you put this hope on God and he didn't come through, all of a sudden you're like these guys on the road, man. What if I had got that bonus? Or what if I had got a raise at work? Or what if I didn't get into that accident? All these things where you had put hope on God. You had put it on God. He said, all right, this is what you're going to do. This is what I, you know, and you kind of give him a time frame. And at the end, what the hope and the, the thought that you had put on God doesn't happen. Like life ruining. And what Jesus does, and I have just a little note, it says Jesus always reminds. Because you will, if you haven't gone through a moment in your life like that where you've kind of built up God in some way and then he hasn't come through, just like these guys, they, I mean, they had followed him everywhere and then he didn't do what they thought he was going to do. If you haven't had a moment like that, you might in the future. You might have a time where you feel like God doesn't come through. And what does God do? What does Jesus do in this, in this time? He explains to them again everything that has happened. Because in his teachings previously, he had also explained to them the, the prophets and um, all of the prophecies that were going to happen. He already explained that. He did it again. He reminded them of who Jesus was. And that he didn't come to just make their lives better. He came that they may have life. How many times do we not get the outcome we want and then we're excited about it? Not very often. I've never seen someone show up late for work and be like, man, I'm sure excited I was late for work. Because we want to dwell in the negative part of our life. I, uh, short story, and uh, I had my sister's friends my sister's best friend is from Australia, and her brother is in America, kind of traveling around with his two Australian friends. And they're like, when you picture Australians, they're like the picture. They have like long hair, and they're raggedy, and they're all, they all surf, and they're teaching me all these new phrase, phrases. It's like, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but my sister was like, hey, can they stay at your house? Sure, they can stay at my house, whatever. So they crash on our floor, and they're like, hey, your sister said that you like to hunt. I was like, yeah, yeah, I like to hunt. They're like, well, our dream is to see a bear. <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> you want to go out in the woods and look for a bear? They're like, yeah. So they have the like, and I'm, when I say dream, like this one kid is like foaming at the mouth. He's like, I want to see a bear. I want to see a bear. I want to see a bear. So I take him out. On, and in Australia, you're not allowed to own guns. Like it's illegal to have a gun. So I take them out into the woods, and we shoot some guns, and then we go out into the woods where there are bear. But with three Australians all, like, wearing skateboarding shoes and, like, sagging their pants, like, I hope we see a bear. <laughs> and I'm in the front, like, I'm, like, full camo, and I have, like, this stuff sprayed on me that people can't smell, so bears can't smell you. And I'm like, and they're like, is that one? I'm like, no, shut up. So... So finally, we get to this spot, and I'm like, there's a bear. And I'm like, just kidding. And I had been pumping up the whole time, like, the bears here are huge. They'll eat you. Like, don't blink your eyes, because they'll just snatch you into the woods, and we'll never know where you went. And I'm, 
I'm the only one with a gun. So they're like falling right behind me like this. So finally we get to this little bend because salmon season is right now. So salmon are coming up the rivers and the berries are ripe. So, and bears, for those of you who know, eat like 20 hours a day right now because they're trying to bulk up for the winter. So it, bear season is like upon us. Three or four bears had been killed the previous week. And so I'm like, hey, you never know. So we walk around this bend towards the river and we stop. And I'm like, okay, this is where we're going to see a bear. No. So all of a sudden we hear this big branch break to our right. Like, <laughs> I kid you not. Like, <laughs> and then we hear, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's actually a bear. <laughs> so I'm standing like this and I turn around to the line. I'm like, guys, that's a bear. Guys, they go. <laughs> so, so I'm like, no way. And so I turn to my left. They were all like down here, like, ah. and I'm like, and they're all bigger than me. And they're all like scrunched together in this little huddle. I'm like, you guys are going to be okay. <laughs> and then one guy's like, all of a sudden, everything turned into a bear. They're like, there's a bear. I'm like, that's a stump. There's a bear. No, that's a tree. <laughs> like, there's a bear. That's me. <laughs> so moral of the story is they all got eaten by bears. No. So we didn't see a bear. We didn't shoot a bear. We come out of the woods. And I had expected them to kind of be like, oh, man, this was our one time to ever see a bear because they're, they're not bears in Australia. I had never been with three more excited people for something that didn't happen. I know it's funny because you're like, well, if you saw a bear, they might have eaten you. But they were like, I can't believe we didn't see a bear. This was the coolest thing ever. We were in the woods. And like we saw, we saw a blue heron. And they're like, is that a pterodactyl? <laughs> I'm like, nope. I mean, yes, it's pterodactyl. These guys. So they, have, they were so excited because they were holding fast to the fact that they got to go out in the woods and look for a bear. They got to experience something. Even though the outcome wasn't what they wanted, they held true to what they experienced. They, had true, they held true to what had happened. And as Christians, we tend to try to hold to what we want to happen. We try to grasp firmly to what we want the outcome to be instead of grasping firmly to what God has already done for us. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That's pretty powerful to know that God goes before you and makes sure everything are right. I mean, you could pick some, pick some pretty cool people to go ahead of you and like make sure everything's all right. But I think God trumps them all. Psalm 68:19 says, "Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation." I do not like this verse, and I'll, I'm sure a lot of you don't either, because we want to be like, "Oh, my life sucks. Work's so tough. My kids don't listen to me, or my my parents are always bossing me around." And we want to sit at our table and we want to be depressed and we want to live in our downfalls. That's what the guys on the road to Emmaus are doing. They're like, "Man." We had hopes for this God, this Jesus guy, to like conquer everything, and then he's dead. We put all these hopes on things that we want and not on what we have. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Psalm 
32.8. God is saying that he's going to teach you how you should go. God is saying that he's going to counsel you as you go. No matter what, you can sit at your table or sit on your couch and just, just be so down about how your life sucks and how you're not getting by every week and how you just wish that things were different or things were better. You can do that. That's fine. But you have to understand that God is, like Scripture says, taking your burdens from you daily. So no matter what you want, no matter how you, know, you want to just live in it yourself, because I know that's what I want to do. I want to be like, oh, I made a mistake, and how, how do I fix this? Oh, my, this is stinky. God has already taken it from you. God has already taken your burdens away from you. So the fact that you're still living in it, you're just wasting your life. And I know you're, some of you might be like, Wilson, you don't, you don't know what I've been through. You've, you'll never experience what I've experienced. And I'm sorry for the things that you may have had to go through that I'll never experience. But I still know that there's been times in my life where it's like the doctors are coming in and they're like, hey, okay, this is, this is the last thing we're going to try, Wilson. Um, there's this new experimental gas that we can pump into your lungs hoping that you'll breathe again. And I'm just laying there in the bed and I can't talk because both like, my lungs have collapsed. And I'm like, they're like, if this, if this doesn't work, you're done for. So what am I thinking in that bed right there? I'm like, okay, what if it works? I'll live. What if it doesn't work? I'll die. You're like, don't laugh. I lived. Um, I've been through some tough things. Maybe not compared to what you've been through. But what I do know, and I can tell you confidently, is that blessed is the Lord who daily bears your burdens. The God of your salvation. Not just some guy that tries to fix your life for you, but the God who saved you. And maybe right now in your lives, you are like these guys on the road where you're just like so bummed because you had this big hope and it didn't come through. God did not do what you wanted. The cool thing is, you don't know it, but God is right next to you, walking alongside you, instructing you in the way which you should go. And maybe you don't even realize it right now, but he's doing it. He's challenging you. He's saying, hey, this is how you need to be. This is what you need to do. Because I, I gave my life for you, not so that you would have the best life ever, but I gave my life for you so that you may have life. So in the times when you feel like God doesn't come through for you or he lets you down, hold, hold strong to the fact that he hasn't. Hold strong to the fact that Jesus went through some pretty crappy stuff. He had to live a perfect life. That's pretty crappy because you can never mess up. Imagine that. We feel like, oh, I have a lot of pressure on me at work to perform well. Well, Jesus never could mess up because if he did he wouldn't have been able to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But since he did, since Jesus did live a perfect life, he got to be tortured and beaten. Since he did live a perfect life, he got to be crucified on the cross. And since he did live a perfect life and was that perfect sacrifice for us, he got to die in our place. Hold fast that he went through that for you. Hold fast to the fact that if you don't get that raise or you don't, you know, your calendar doesn't plan out the way you want it to. All of that stuff is so little in the, in the spectrum of God's eyes. Hold fast to what God's telling you. Let me pray.
Jesus, the Christian life is such a mystery to me to understand how no matter what I do, no matter how crummy of a person I can be, you're always there for me. You're always reminding me. You're always speaking truth to me. God, the, the fact that Jesus died for me, I, I'll never understand because I'll never be good enough. We'll never be good enough. But thank you for making salvation a gift. Thank you for making it free. Thank you that Jesus didn't come to redeem us from people. He came to redeem us from sin and death. And that through belief in him, we can have life and have life to the fullest. Jesus, I ask that uh, you would be continuing to speak into people's hearts. You would continuing to be challenging people to say, how, how can we move forward from here? How can we hold fast to you and move on to life to the fullest? Move on to a life where we're confident in what you're doing. Where we're not putting all these what ifs, you know, I hope so's on you. But we're putting, I know so. I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to love me. I know you're going to always be there for me. Jesus, continue to remind us. Continue to walk alongside us. We love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.